The Classic Comics Forum Podcast presents issue number five, Red Sonja, part two. Welcome back to the Classic Comics Forum Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Harris, and in this episode, I'll be concluding my discussion of Red Sonja with Classic Comics Forum moderator and author of the annotated Savage Sword of the Conan thread, Roquefort Raider. In the last episode, Roquefort Raider and I discussed Red Sonja from her creation in 1972 up through the cancellation of her first Marvel series in 1979. And it's in 1979 that Roquefort Raider and I pick up the conversation discussing one of the more infamous Red Sonja appearances, her crossover with Spider-Man in Marvel Team-Up number 79. Enjoy. So one other issue came out with Red Sonja during this run, which was Marvel Team-Up number 79. I just want to mention that briefly. There's a couple interesting things about it. For those who haven't read it, in Marvel Team-Up 79, basically the spirit of Red Sonja is drawn into the future, into the present day, and takes over the form of Mary Jane Watson because, I think it's Kulan Gath, (laughs) has appeared in in present day Marvel as well. And so we get this team-up between Red Sonja and Spider-Man. And in general, I'm not a big fan of these types of stories. I did think this one was entertaining. It's also got uh, really good art by John Byrne. Yeah. So, and for me personally, probably the best part about this issue is that it serves as an unofficial prequel to the next time Kulan Gath randomly appears in the present day, which is in X-Men 190, 191. And as part of that, he takes over Manhattan and turns Manhattan into a Hyborian city and all the Avengers and X-Men turn into Conan-esque versions of themselves. Yeah, that was an entertaining one. Uh, I'm a big fan of that story. But just briefly going back to the cancellation of Red Sonja's solo series... It is a little surprising to me, given how popular Red Sonja seemed to be at this time, that the series ended. Now, the series wasn't particularly good, and Frank Thorne, like I said, had left the book with issue 11, so it's possible that the character was more popular than the series was. I've definitely seen that happen other times in comics and TV shows even. True, true. But it is a little surprising to me that they were, because they were still putting out quite a bit of um, Red Sonja material during the time period where the series is ending, and one of the books they put out out, right at the end of 1978, so just a few months before her series ended, was Marvel Super Special number 9, featuring Conan and Red Sonja. And this is where Roy Thomas uh, went back and tried to retcon Red Sonja's origin, and wow, I think he I think he made it worse. Do you? I'll be interested to know why. So in this story, what happens is Red Sonja gets this crazy idea in her head that she, for some reason, is compelled to go back and visit her childhood home. And when she gets there, she finds this cave. And she doesn't remember ever being in the cave, and yet she knows she's been in the cave before. So she goes to the cave, and she goes through the cave, and on the other side of the cave, she discovers one of these um, hidden civilizations that always seem to lurk on the other side of caves. (laughs) Especially in Edgar Rice Burroughs' novels. Yeah. And in there, she finds this whole civilization of red-headed people. Now, they have, like, gold or bronze skin, but they're all redheads, and they immediately try and kill her. And long story short, she's this prophesied destroyer, and she's given this story where it turns out 
that supposedly she was actually not a regular old farmer's daughter, but she was an albino-esque outcast from this society where everyone is like super strong and has all these amazing combat gifts. And that all of her prowess was not actually bestowed by the Red Goddess, but was a birthright from her original people. And the Red Goddess is actually like an evil two-faced god who is who set in motion all the events, including her family dying and her being raped, uh, in order to like get her angry enough to kill everybody or something. Yeah, she, to temper her so she'll become the goddess's weapon. Yes, and that, again, all of her uh, super fighting abilities were not given to her by the god, but in fact, it's the other way around. The goddess was blocking her from having those natural abilities and only released them after Red Sonia prayed to her. Yeah. And it turns out she's not a benevolent goddess of vengeance, but she's actually, she has this, and this is, as far as I can remember, not explained in the story, but for some reason she has two different races. She's a two-faced god, and, and she has her two races that worship her fighting against each other to completely destroy each other, which, I mean, I'm not a god myself, but that doesn't really make any sense to me why you would want to have both of the, the uh, groups that worship you commit genocide on each other. That just, I don't know, I don't get it. And so it's anyway, magic. you don't have to explain it. At the end of the story, everybody's dead. The goddess is apparently destroyed, although we'll see her come back later. Mm -hmm. And Sonya goes back into the real world. She's got this other woman uh, with her named, was it Zola? Zora. Zora. Who's supposed to be her sister. Who is supposed to be her sister. And that's where the, the story leaves off. And before I get into all the reasons why I thought this actually made her origin worse, what did you think of this retcon? Which, the retcon. by the way, is is one of them. It's not just a fairly early in terms of the history of comic book retcons, but it's a huge retcon. I mean, it's like it's like Highlander two retconning the immortals of Highlander <laughs> into being aliens from another dimension. It's like that crazy. Uh, I don't know if that'd be that that severe with that st- that story. Yes, it's a retcon, but it, it's it's a Roy Thomas retcon. So unlike the Highlander two thing. It doesn't just ignore what went before. It tries to incorporate it. So the, the main difference there in terms of what happens to Sonia is that instead of being born to the Hyrcanian family she thought she, she belonged to, she was left in the wilderness as a baby because she was pale-skinned and she was supposed to be the pale destroyer who would bring about the destruction of her people. And we assume that these farmers just found her and adopted her and somehow never mentioned that, that it happened. But in any case... Uh, I thought the story itself didn't make a lot of sense because, as you pointed out, the goddess, the two-faced goddess who has two peoples trying to annihilate each other doesn't seem to be uh, making a lot of sense. Why would she do that? Even if she's a goddess, even if she's crazy, why would she waste time doing that? But in any case, what I did enjoy about the story, apart from the fantastic art by Howard Chaikin, was that it tries to, to give Sonia her dignity back that she's not working with superpowers that were given her by, by, by a supernatural entity. That those powers are hers. She is a, natural, a naturally good fighter. So Roy tries to, to undo what he did earlier with the, uh, the terrible, terrible rape story. And uh, although he doesn't undo the rape, like Gail Simon de- did later on, uh, he tries to bring the strength back into Sonia as a character. And Sonia gets the... the uh, the pleasure of destroying the goddess herself, that goddess that just admitted having manipulated her for all her life. Sonia destroys her. And at the end of the story, the goddess is supposed to be dead. 
And I thought, well, if we must acknowledge that this origin story really happened, at least now Sonia knows that her prowess doesn't come from a supernatural power. She is naturally strong. She, she, she is a self, self-made woman. And she can do whatever she wants with her life. The, the oath business should be forgotten by now. But unfortunately, right from her next appearance, all that went down the drain and it was as if it had never happened. Right. Well, we're going to get to that story in a minute because I, thought, I found it totally bizarre that we have this story, which retcons her origin. And then her next story, they completely retcon this story retcon. again. Yeah. It seemed like they really didn't have a direction for what they wanted the character to be. Here's why I don't like this story. I felt like it didn't fully give her agency back for a couple reasons. One of them is that she still is not really a self-made woman. Now, instead of her powers coming from a goddess, they're like an inherited birthright because she was born to a race of super people. I still don't really like that. Um, Well, super people, they, they, they were like, they were like, big bad vikings they were big and strong but they were they were not superhuman it was a martial society with where people are just buff and angry and with a martial mindset and she came from good stock let's say but they, they were not superhuman the bigger issue i have with the story is that it retained all of the bad parts in terms of you know her being raped without for me fixing it okay like it it basically is like yeah all the bad stuff from the original origin is pretty much still there it Uh, just it just uh, happened differently like it has a different meaning it's roy thomas unless something is totally totally unacceptable he's going to retain every bit of continuity and try to all sew it together and so, so as to make a, a complete whole. And part of this, and the other reason I don't like it, and this is a little unfair because it's not really inherently wrong with this story, but as you say, as of the end of this issue, her oath should really be out the window um, because it turns out that she made this oath to get these powers to get vengeance and it turns out that she naturally has these abilities. Mm-hmm. The goddess is giving her nothing at all and so there's no reason to have this oath in the first place and there's now there's no reason to keep it yeah and yet since i had of course already read future red selling stories she still adheres to this oath and in most of the stories there's no mention of the fact that it means nothing true um, before we go on to the, the, yeah, yeah. can i make a comment about the the origin story yeah uh, one of the reasons that well the, uh, i mean the main reason I don't like the origin story is that it's it's an awful origin story. But you remember when we said we said that Sonia in uh, Conan the Barbarian 23 and 24 and to some extent Savage Sword of Conan number one was the real Red Sonia. That, that was the version we enjoyed. Well, in that version, she doesn't have this weirdo origin. She, she states in Savage Sword of Conan that she has been handling a sword since she was knee high. So there's no question that she got superpowers when she was a teen. She was she was always a rough and tumble little girl. She always handled the sword in those issues. And so I thought it was a pity that we we had this weirdo origin tacked on later on and that it wasn't simply undone in that Howard Chicken story. I agree. There's there's so many unfortunate things with the origin. It's hard to list them all. Um, yes. <laughs> but we're going to get to more unfortunate, weird origin retcons in the next story. Now, there's several weird things about it. Uh, it came out a couple years later in Red Sonja, volume two, numbers one and two. And the Iron Bikini is gone. The Iron Bikini is gone. So here we are in the 1980s. It's the Reagan era, and Jim yes. Shooter is in charge of Marvel, and suddenly everybody's becoming more prudish because there seemed to be this edict that everyone in the fantasy comics gets a blue shirt. 
you know, yep. Conan gets a blue shirt now because yep. even having Conan's bare chest is apparently too scandalous for the 1980s. And Red Sonia loses the chainmail bikini and gets this sort of um, one-piece blue, I'm not really sure what to call it. Leotard? Something. It's, 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 it's tight-fitting, it's kind of a shirt, and it's blue. Yeah, it's got a belt and it's clothes. Unlike her previous outfit, it's basically just clothes. Yeah. I'm not sure it provides her any more protection than a chainmail bikini because it appears to just be a shirt. Or Sometimes it's drawn like leather, sometimes it's drawn like fur. Yeah, it's less irritating to be sure. Yes, this is the look she was wearing when I first was introduced to the character. So in a way, this is, it's not my favorite look because I like her original look best. Yeah. But I have a soft spot for this design and I definitely prefer it to the bikini. So do I because it, it's clothes. I mean, it, she's, in that regard, she's treated with respect. She's allowed to dress like a normal person instead of a sex, sex object. Everything else about the story was a complete mess, other than her clothes. Uh, we, I'm a little well, the introduction of Valeria was a bit forced, but I think it's nice that Roy acknowledges that at that time, Valeria is still a child. Well, I, I actually had a little bit of an issue with that, and only because throughout the 70s, in, including in both in Kona and Red Sonja, Roy was working with this um, conceit that the characters were aging in real time. Yeah. And just on a comic book level, I think that's fine for his original run, but they, uh-huh. they seem to ditch that immediately as soon as he left the book. Yeah, which is, which is a pity. Uh, by the way, did you get the impression that Red Sonja was a bit older than Conan? I asked because when, when they meet the first time, Conan seems, he seems to be taken aback by this woman. He's a bit like a, like a teenage boy impressed by a stronger woman, and he doesn't know what to make of her, and she treats him like a kid, basically. Uh, not unkindly, but she's obviously superior to him, far more emotionally stable. So I always got the impression that Sonia in the beginning was a couple of years older than he was. You know, I hadn't thought about it, but I think you're right. I, I see exactly what you're saying. But by the time we get to this series in the 80s, Roy has pretty much left Marvel. Yeah. And they, as far as I can tell from my reading of some of the books from this period, they seem to have gotten rid of that aging in real time thing pretty quickly after he left. Yeah. So well, for, for, for about 10 years, Conan did nothing but live through a Groundhog Day every issue. I mean, it was another month, another story with a monster and a wizard in it, and no continuity whatsoever. So there's no reason for him to age. And, and this is kind of why I felt like the introduction of Valeria as a child was a little bit of a problem, because Roy is still sticking with the concept that these characters are aging, but it's not actually happening in the other yeah. titles. Um, so knowing that Valeria appears, I, I couldn't quite reconcile the time frame where Red Sonia is meeting her as a child here, but uh-huh. Conan is meeting her later on. In Red Nails. Yes, as an adult. But, uh, yeah, actually, the, I mean, it, what I didn't like is that Red Sonia meeting, meeting Valeria like that was one coincidence too many. I, I don't like coincidences in, in these stories. It, it always feel, feels a little forced. But in that story, which is set shortly after uh, Bailey's death, so it's around uh, a bit after Conan number 115, Conan is roughly 26-ish, and he's going to meet Valeria 12 years later when he's 38 in Red Nails. So that's the 12 years that you have to add to the age of young Valeria there, who seems to be, what, seven? So it, it, it really fits. It, it's a good example of continuity by Roy. I don't know if it was necessary, but 
at least it works. Whether or not it's necessary has never kept Roy from adding continuity when he could. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. And I feel like, it, yeah, I feel like it was it was a very Roy moment where he's like, you know what, I can connect the dots in a way that yeah. makes sense to me, but doesn't necessarily serve the story. Yeah, especially because it's in the wrong part of the world. That story is set far, far in the east in Tehran and Valeria is from Ecolonia, which is completely on the western side of the continent. And she's going to work as a, a pirate on the western ocean. So it's the wrong part of the world and she's only a child. And then you have to come up with a, an explanation for why she's going to move across the entire Eurasian continent. And it's the kind of continuity that complicates things rather than uh, than smooths them. Well, the other continuity thing that complicates things even further is that in this story, which is the next Red Sonja appearance or story after he retconned his origin, it picks up exactly where that one leaves off, where uh-huh. she and Zora have just left the cave. Yeah. And in this story, they retcon the previous story, where by the end of the issue, Zora's dead and you've... Both she and Red Sonia have come to doubt that they're actually sisters. Red Sonia doesn't seem to believe it all along. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Zora, by the end, has seen these visions that have convinced her that Red Sonia is also not her sister. So apparently Red Sonia is not from this race of redheads at all. Yeah. And the red goddess reappears yet again, even though she seems to be destroyed. And Red Sonia destroys her again. Yep. And at the end of this issue, Red Sonja's like, I'm free, I'm free from the goddess. And yet, she still adheres to her oath. Yeah. An oath yeah. To, to nobody and for no reason. Yeah, exactly. It's it's infuriating. And that oath is going to come up again around Conan the Barbarian number 200 or so, written by Jim Owsley. We'll probably get to that later on, but she just can't seem to get rid of that oath. And it wouldn't even bother me that much if if it was something where she just wanted to keep the oath. But she sure, doesn't. Sure. That, she constantly is whining about how she just wants to like sleep with these guys or, you know, uh-huh. that's a bit of exaggeration, but it happens regularly where the writers use this as yeah, she a falls in love bit. and she can't go through with it because the oath blah blah blah. Yeah, but she doesn't have an oath. Like there's no oath. It's in both this story and the previous one, uh-huh. she was freed from her oath, not once, but twice. Yeah. And and she, she still, still sticks, to it. sticks to it for no reason. And it yeah. drives me nuts. I think they, it's like they, they tried, Roy was fumbling around here trying to fix some of the mistakes that he had made, but his fixes are worse than the original problem. It just complicates things. And then his fixes were also totally ignored by later writers. So all mm-hmm. he did was needlessly complicate things. Mm. You know, it's just frustrating on several levels. Yeah. I do want to briefly, as I mentioned, uh, talk about Murata the She-Wolf, which was a story. I think she originated from a a failed Red Sonja graphic novel. They just changed Red Sonja into Murata. Exactly. And I'm a little confused by this because if you go online to Wikipedia, the source of all correct information. Oh, dear. (laughs) It claims that the change was made because of the Red Sonja movie. But Murata the She-Wolf came out before, long before um, the Red Sonja movie. I think Murata the She-Wolf was 1980. Mm-hmm. And the Red Sonja movie didn't come out until 1985. Now, I'm sure it was in production for a while, but I don't believe it was in production for that long, particularly because yeah. the Red Sonja movie franchise basically sprung out of the popularity of the Conan movie, which itself didn't even come out until, what, 82 or something. So yeah. there had to be some other reason in my mind 
why they took this Red Sonja story and redid it uh, as Marauder the She-Wolf. Well, it, it was public in it was published in Epic, right? Epic magazine. I believe that's right. Yeah. So perhaps Chris had this idea for a Red Sonja story, and then he and John Bolton thought, well, do we have to make it Red Sonja and lose the rights to the to whatever money we make? If we create a new character and it's published in Epic, where you you can have uh, creator own material, we might retain the rights to the character. It might be a better idea. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because there apparently was a rights issue over the characters, which doesn't okay. surprise me at all because Roy Thomas, he has a pretty good sense of what he thinks he's owed. And okay. my understanding is that that there was a legal dispute over who actually had the rights to Marauder the She-Wolf because it was based on Red Sonja. And it's obvious if you read the story that it's a Red Sonja story. Like, well, they have the... Because the they keep the entire the, rape origin. Yeah, again. They take the worst part of Red Sonja and use it as the origin for Marauder the She-Wolf. Yeah. And in one of the magazines, the comic magazines from in 1981, they had an article about the rights issues finally being resolved. So it wasn't until 1981 that Claremont and Bolton actually were awarded the legal rights to Marauder the She-Wolf. And I have to assume that was because Roy was basically saying, hey, they are, you know, they're taking my character and not just the sort of basic concept, but they're literally taking aspects of the story that, that I did yeah. where I completely ruined the character. So now I've, now he's ruined two characters, but only got credit for ruining one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. So the other interesting thing about this little two-parter is that at the end of the issue, it says that it has a next issue blurb, but there is no next issue. Yeah. Instead, they relaunched the series yet again, uh, yeah. but not for several months. And when they do, it came out in a different format where it was a longer book and it was a dollar instead of 60 cents. Yeah. Double-sized. And it wasn't written by Roy. No. Strangely enough, it was written by Tom DeFalco, which... I, I think Roy had left but at that point. In fact, he, he must have left uh, quite a while before. I think that the... the the two issues the Red, of Red Sonja Volume 2 were originally meant as a Red Sonja Super Special, which never saw print. And uh, they must have remained there as inventory issues until they were published as a two-issue limited series. And then we went on to the actual third volume of Red Sonja. Well, the next series, um, again, it started a few months later, and it's also kind of a mess. Uh, started coming out in 1983, and it was published uh, bi-monthly. Tom DeFalco was the original writer, and yet again, I like the art. I like the art though. Mary Wilshire and Nestor Redondo. That that's a good team. Yeah, Mary Wilshire. Uh, I like her art too, and I particularly think she does some really cool covers for this series. Yes. Um, they're not they're not all great, but when she's hitting on all cylinders, they're really good. Like the, the cover issue three, I really like a lot. Uh, that's the one where Sonia is on on the wall, as I recall, and uh, that's when you're right. sword. Yeah. Yeah, they're eye catching. They're they're very nice. And I like uh, number ten, which is basically just her holding a sword. So this series. Again, even though we've just twice retconned her origin, she's still sticking to the oath, and it becomes a plot point yeah. throughout this series. And I, I think she, she, the, I know there's a guy who has a bad case of puppy love for Sonia in there. I, I don't remember if it was reciprocated, but the oath came between them again anyway. And as you said, by that point, the oath should be a thing of the past. It, it serves no purpose. 
And Sonia doesn't make it clear whether she continues with the oath because she wants to or because it, it, it's been enforced on her. And it's strongly suggested that once again, if she does take a lover, she will lose her fighting ability, which makes no sense. But there we are. That, that's what we're stuck with. Well, there's actually a couple different guys that have puppy love for him. There's one character who starts in issue one, and he remains in the series until issue eight, where he's just like abruptly killed off. Killed off, um, oh. but replaced by a different love interest in the same issue. Oh dear. I think it's also because they may have changed writers. Louise Simonson came on board the book for the last few issues. She introduced this whole new cast of characters, including a childhood friend, uh, who's another redhead, who. Sonia meets up with her and her family and there's this guy who wants to marry her, this friend even though the friend is already married to another guy and there's a child involved and there's a, a witch who's trying to sacrifice Red Sonia to some sort of demon thingy, what's it? And it's a completely strange and different uh, tonal shift to the book from everything that has gone before in Red Sonia where there's all these like family like interpersonal family drama. Uh-huh. And again, a whole new cast of of characters. There have been some recurring characters from time to time. Most of them haven't stuck around more than a few issues. These guys appear in issue 8 and run through the rest of the series in 13 in one big storyline involving Sonia's attempts to help this family. And uh what did you think of this? Because I I thought it was this is when I first started reading. Issue 9 was my first issue of Red Sonia, and it's my introduction to the character. So as a kid, I thought these issues were great. As an adult, not so much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, no. And there's one specific issue, like, problem that I have with something that happens in the last issue 13 that I want to talk about specifically in a minute. But what? how did you feel about this series in general and this ending storyline in particular? The story was a bit... The whole series was, let's say, not as entertaining as I hoped it might be. Uh, I was, at the time, I was still happy to see that Sonia was not going back to the Iron Bikini. I thought that not having dropped the oath was a bad move. But the, the main point is that the whole concept of Sonia having childhood friends seems wrong to me. She, she seems to be, she shouldn't have any childhood friends. And after the trauma she, she went through, once she survived the, the murder of her family, if she had had any friends nearby, I would have expected her to go there. And uh, I, I wouldn't expect her to go to decide to, 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 to explore the world, to go wander and become a, a mercenary or anything. I figure that Sonia should not have childhood friends suddenly revealed to exist. It just struck me as a, an error in continuity. I have the impression, and I, I want to preface this by saying I like Louise Simonson quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm not all like I like her as a person. Yeah, I, I, and I liked her Power Pack series. And, yes, and I, and I was a big fan of Power Pack. But I'm not always a fan of her writing. This storyline to me struck me very much as a situation where the writer was not necessarily familiar with the character. Which is true of almost every writer who handled handled either Conan or Red Sonia after Roy left. I agree. It seemed totally out of place for her to have a childhood friend. Her attitude in this storyline, her personality, is not the character that we've seen previously. No, no. She's supposed to be a hard-drinking mercenary. She's, she, she gets money for killing random people. That's not the kind of person who suddenly takes care of a family that she barely knows. The big tip-off that, that uh, Simonson was not really paying that much attention to previous continuity is in the last issue. She's fighting this demon 
thing that's appeared that she's being sacrificed to. Mm-hmm. And she calls on the red goddess for strength. Oh, and she, which we know she, she wouldn't do. She calls her Skathak. Oh, so I was wrong. See, I thought I thought that that name had come after the Marvel series. I don't know where. I don't remember it from the earlier ones because I I just read these the last couple of days and I do not remember seeing this name before here. Yeah, so I I don't have that issue, but uh, I I've, I've read the uh, the previous appearances of Sonia and that would be the first time that Skatash is mentioned. She was she was called the Red Goddess up to there. She calls upon the Red Goddess here, and the Red Goddess answers and gives her a surge of superpower that allows her to beat the demon. Yeah, I'm the goddess that you tried to kill twice and uh, who screwed up your life, but let me give you more superpowers now that you go on me. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that she would ask the Red Goddess for power. It doesn't make any sense that the Red Goddess would give her power. And it doesn't yep. make any sense that the Red Goddess is even there since Red Sonny destroyed her twice. Absolutely. So, it just, I felt like there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the character taking place here because it doesn't seem like they actually were reading what previous people had written. Like, all the stuff Roy Thomas tried to do in those retcons mm-hmm. was literally being ignored. Yeah. It explains why they kept using this oath because they didn't even apparently realize that the oath was gone. Yeah. Um, and we talked earlier about what might have happened if Barry Smith had continued drawing the series. I wonder where the character might have gone if Roy Thomas had continued writing the character. Because after he finished those retcons, particularly the second one, where there's a whole sequence of Red Sonia celebrating that she's finally free of the Red Goddess and the Oath, what he might have done with the character if he had, you know, at that point when he had successfully, if not, you know, I have problems with the way he tried to do it. I don't think it, it excuses any of the past stories, his retcons. I don't think they make any of that stuff better. But they did kind of clear the slate for a new version of the character going forward that wasn't saddled with that baggage. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder what might have happened if he had been able to write that character without all that baggage still being stuck to her. It's hard to say, and we can't even judge from what he did with the character years later when he returned to Conan and to Savage Sword, because then he, he brought Red Sonia back, of course. And he kept her in that mold that we had known her, uh, we had known for her for years. And he, 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 he kept the oath, he kept the, the old story, but perhaps that's not because he, he wanted to, perhaps it's because he, he just wanted to go along with what had been defined as the new Red Sonia status quo. I mean, uh, in one of those later Savage Sword issues, she does try to go around the oath. She falls for a guy who's not a he's not a brawler by any mean, and she contrives to have him beat her at chess, thus technically filling the letter of the oath. She was defeated on a certain field of battle, and so she she can be free to marry him. So unfortunately, the oath is still the defining feature in her her love life, even when Roy returns to the character. Yeah, that's that's beyond unfortunate because. First of all, you know, she's been stuck with this terrible origin that's pigeonholed the character in this certain type of story for decades at that point. Yeah. And it means that all of the convoluted bad stories that Roy had written to try and redcon it were pointless. Yeah. If we're going to have to sit through all that nonsense, at least have a payoff. Like, those stories would have been worth it to me if they'd have been followed up with a new version of Sonya free of the curse. Yeah, and I think that the main reason it didn't happen is because, as you mentioned before, most of these writers don't seem to read what others before them have written. And uh, the, the the defining trait of Red Sonia is that she's this warrior woman and she has the, this oath in which she cannot take a lover until he defeats her in battle, 
Or sometimes the oath is interpreted as she has to become the lover of someone who has defeated her in battle. And each time a writer removes the oath, it gets reinstated with no reason whatsoever. Jim Owsley got rid of it, and it got brought back the, the next time we saw her. So the, as I mentioned, the last issue of her own series was 13. It came out on um, looks like January 28, 1986. My copy happens to have an arrival date stamped on the cover. <laughs> Practical. And this is just after the movie came out. The movie came out in 1985. It starred Brigitte Nielsen as Red Sonja, and Al Schwarzenegger made a cameo as Conan. And it was a huge flop. Terrible reviews because it's a terrible movie and did yeah. horrible at the box office. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the series pretty much ended immediately. Uh, I get the impression, and this is, I'm just spitballing here, but from the way the series began, I get the impression that it was kind of being published because of the movie yeah and i think when the movie ended they just basically wrapped up the current storyline in the comic and and canceled that's, it that's it for that's it for it sonia yeah and that I was it for her in terms of her own series at marvel now there were a few other appearances at marvel after her series ended about the same time her series ended you've mentioned this earlier she appeared in conan the king number 28 yeah and that's where it's much older uh, version of the character and i'm a big fan of that appearance now i will say one weird thing that struck me is that she's still wearing the same blue outfit yes <laughs> like 30 she years in the future in, in 40 years and she looks amazingly young for her age because at that point she's at least 65 but, but in terms of personality i think that story skews closest to her original appearance yeah she's the same sonia as in conan the barbarian number 24 she has the same character. She has the same strength. She still treats Conan like a kid. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I, that was another issue. It was one of the first... I think I might have bought that issue because I had just read Red Sonja number 9. So I bought it because of Red Sonja. Although I was also buying Conan at the time. My first issue of Conan, I think, was 167. The Mike Kaluta cover might have been a, a factor. Yeah, Conan the King was a series that was a complete mess. But during that period, Mike Kaluta was doing some amazing covers for the book. Yeah, and Jeff Isherwood was a great inker. Now, I, that, that I think that's that's some of the best thing, best work he did in his in his life. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the art in that series is uh, is really good. The cover in that particular part period. of the series. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a brief shining moment where that series was good, <laughs> and then it ended really abruptly. Uh, there were a few other appearances from Red Sonja in Marvel after this period. They they still had the license to the character for a number of years, maybe a whole decade after this. Um, she was kind of relegated to guest appearances in Conan the Barbarian and Savage Sword of Conan. Yeah, during which time many many interesting things happened to the character. Uh, well, in the um, in Conan the Barbarian, I think it's 198, there's this this terrible uh, plot twist in which she gets raped again. Once was just was not enough. It had to happen the second time. But the upswing of that, of that terrible plot twist is that she ends up being powerless. And then out of her own will, she regains her battle prowess. Seeing a friend in distress and why she was moping. Oh, oh I've, I, I didn't maintain my oath. I am doomed. I've lost my power. I'm weak, blah, blah, blah. And then she sees a friend in distress and just finds the power within herself and kills the bad guys and becomes Red Sonia again. But this time, she owes her, her power to her own will. The goddess has nothing to do with it. The, the goddess is not there at all. So I thought, yeah, great. Even though I really dislike this new twist, 
at least Sonia is now free. She can do whatever she wants. But as happened previously, succeeding writers just ignore that. And the next time you see Sonia, she's still got the same problem. You also mentioned that uh, when Roy returned to the to uh, writing Conan right at the end of uh, the respective series, he brought Red Sonia back for those issues. Yeah, a little too much for my taste, but he did good things with her. He made her far more self-reliant. I mean, she still got the oath, and uh, where I think Roy shined as far as Roy, uh, as uh, Red Sonia goes is that she's accepted the fact that she's bound by her oath. Conan has accepted it as well. He makes it clear that if she ever changes her mind, he, he can be there for her, and she sort of teasingly hints that, yeah, well, perhaps, maybe, someday, but not right now. And at one point, they, they find themselves uh, stuck in the past, in the era of the dinosaurs. And uh, Conan jokingly says that since they're the only two humans alive in this time period, perhaps they should play Adam and Eve. And she, of course, she, she rebuffs him at the time, but later on, when they're on the verge of being eaten by velociraptors, she said, well, perhaps we should have played Adam, Adam and Eve after all. So their, their relation is still ongoing, even though nothing can happen because Sonia is bound by her oath. But you get the impression that by that time, it's become just a habit for her, that she she's accepted her situation. She doesn't really feel any need to change it, at least not urgently. And it doesn't sound as if her oath is now something that ties her, that, that she's bound to because she's afraid of losing her power. Roy gives her much more of a sense of self-reliance by that time, which was a definite improvement over the Sonia we had known for a few decades before that. Now, eventually in the mid-90s, Conan sales slipped. They canceled both series. They tried to reboot them with like these 90s versions where somehow Conan's even more extreme. The horror! The horror! Luckily, I guess, those efforts didn't last, and the Marvel ended up losing the rights or relinquishing the rights to the characters, and Conan eventually ended up at Dark Horse, but Red Sonja ended up at Dynamite. We didn't mention the Cross Plains comic, Red Sonja number one. There was only one issue. It's a very short run. It was published in the 90s after Marvel lost the rights to the character. Cross Plains comics was a publishing house that attempted to publish Robert E. Howard properties in comic forms. Not Conan, but they did, I think, reprint Worms of the Earth by Barry Smith and Tim Conrad and Roy Thomas in color. And they had this uh, Red Sonia number one. This is just one issue. She wears a variation of the chainmail bikini that I must admit looks more practical than the one Marvel used. And uh, the story appears to be set in continuity with the Marvel stories, although for some reason she doesn't recognize Conan the first time she sees him. Although since Conan is not named, perhaps it's not him and it's just the artist uh, feeling uh, feeling creative at that point. And the story was set early in Red Sonia's uh, Red Sonia's new career as a swordswoman. It's shortly after her family was killed and she's tracking down the people who sent those mercenaries to her house. And we learned that it was not a random accident that somebody actually sent those guys to her house to recover a trinket that her father owned. And uh, the story ends on not, not quite a cliffhanger, but it's, it's to be continued and there never was a second issue. So that, that was about the end of it. It was drawn by Steve Lytle, kind of nice art. The color was quite nice. The printing was high quality, but it never went uh, further, unfortunately. I was not thrilled by that issue, but it was okay. I mean... If we have to stick with this old origin story, well, let's see where it can go. And Sonia was depicted as very self-reliant, so 
that, that, that was a definite plus. I don't know where it would have gone. It would be interesting to speculate, but yeah, I really don't know. So sometime after this, Dynamite acquired the rights to the character. And Dynamite has been putting out Red Sonja issues for years now. They've put out over 100 issues. She's actually been much more successful with Dynamite than I think she ever was at Marvel. And Gail Simone ended up coming on as the writer. And she did an interesting thing where her version of Red Sonja... Gets rid of the origin. Gets rid of the origin. Oh, that was brilliant. That was a great move. The other thing that Gail did was... She got rid of the bikini, because Dynamite loves the bikini. Yeah. And even though some of the covers for Gail Simone's series featured her still in the bikini, mm-hmm. um, at least the first arc, which I've read, she's not wearing the bikini. She's wearing, like, a... She's not even wearing, like, the skimpy blue shirt dress thing. She's got, like, a full pants and, like, leather armor, the whole nine yards. She yeah. looks like, a you know, a warrior. Uh, so, I, I mean... That's I an improvement. But, uh, Marvel had done that at, at the end of the Conan the Barbarian series and in the later issues of Savage Sword. Sonia is wearing a very practical leather armor. And she, she's dressed like the guys, essentially. She's wearing the same kind of armor that anybody would wear. And it, it's obviously a lot less sexy on covers than would be an iron bikini. But it's, a, it's practical clothing, and I really like that period. So, to sum up, how do you feel about the character, Red Sonia, and the different series that she's had? Well, overall, she's, she's, she's a striking character. And you mentioned earlier that the character itself was probably more popular than the comic, and I, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, she never had, the, at least in the classic period, in the 70s and the 80s, she never had a great series. Her true great appearances were the few ones in Conan the Barbarian, 23 and 24, and uh, her first story in uh, Savage Sword number one looks looks really well. It's drawn by Esteban Maroto and Neil Adams. I mean, you can't go wrong with those. Uh, later on, she was an interesting supporting character, uh, but her origin just destroyed her from the from the get go. I think it it was a it was a very bad move, and trying to retcon it away halfway in the following years didn't help much and. It was always interesting to see her appear again, but nothing really interesting was ever done with her. Although her banter with Conan under Chuck Dixon, for example, was always enjoyable. But she never she, she looks like a character with a lot of potential that was never actualized. Yeah, you mentioned that there was a title called Queen Sonia, and that's one of the things that bothered me with her appearance in King Conan, or Conan the King number 28. And here she was at 65, still a badass, uh, but someone who didn't do much in life, apparently. It looks like for her entire career, she was just a wanderer looking for the next adventure, looking for a fight, looking for what she's going to steal. And Conan, in the, in the meantime, became the king of a Western nation. I would expect Sonia to do something equally impressive, but apparently that was not to be in the Marvel Universe. And yeah, I wanted to talk about that, actually, because... That that appearance is interesting for exactly the reason you say where when they first meet, she's sort of the older, I don't want to say wiser, but the more mature of the characters. Yeah, absolutely. She flatlines. She does not change as a character because, as we've seen, the, every time someone tried to change her, the writers kept resetting her. Yeah. And Conan, on the other hand, 
and I think this goes back to the fact that he was had all these stories by Howard for the writers to draw on, uh-huh. had a defined life. He had a character arc, so that when she reappears later, she's still stuck in this sort of perpetual personality. And Conan's changed. He's not just aged, but he's matured. He yeah. is in a different place in his life. He goes on that adventure to sort of remind himself. It's like a, a fun lark because he's you know feeling um, the weight of the responsibilities on him. But he mm-hmm. has those responsibilities, and she's chosen in that story. It's basically she's chosen not to ever mature. Yeah, which is surprising because it, it's kind of a devolution for Red Sonia. The first time we we see her. She's not a lone adventurer like Conan is. She's the, the captain of a mercenary band. She's already in a position of power and responsibility. But as far as I know, in the Marvel continuity at least, that's the last time it will happen. She becomes an officer in the, the her latest appearances in Conan the Barbarian, but even then she's under Conan's, uh, Conan's command and she goes back to the life of a loner soon thereafter. So it's like the, the Marvel Red Sonia doesn't have much, much ambition in life. Which is quite surprising because such a strong character would strike me as being someone who wants to do something. I would expect her to become a Queen Sonia someday. I think she suffers in part from being a supporting character where the the writers keep resetting her partially because they're not paying attention, partially because in, in some cases because they're men. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean... I think part of the reason she never develops is because because she's a supporting character for Conan. And where Conan can evolve and mature, she serves a specific story purpose as a supporting character for Conan. Yeah. So in order for her to serve that purpose, they need to keep her the same. And because they never allowed her to change when she had her own series, and they never really did anything particularly interesting with her in her own series... Even when she had her own title, she was still stuck in this sort of mindset of a supporting character. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame because she had so much potential as a character that was never realized and never allowed to be realized. And it's it's a real misstep from Marvel. You can see in the late 70s just how incredibly popular she was becoming uh, with the fan community and you know the TV appearances and all this stuff and the merchandising. And they were supporting it with a book that just wasn't very good yeah i feel like if they had well had a different origin and then given more care to the stories that they were doing they could have ended up with a character who could have rivaled conan for importance and longevity yeah well that's that's a tall order she she's not a household name like conan is although in the case of conan i must admit that the movies probably played a big role in that i wonder i wonder if she could have I feel like there's a window of opportunity between 1977 and, say, when the movie came out in 1985. Yeah, there she, was. She could have become that character. And yeah, I think I think so. I think so. She she had the striking appearance. Uh, my dislike for the iron bikini notwithstanding, she had a striking appearance. Uh, she was a female character, which is which was at the time more original than it is now, and so she she had a coolness factor that was unparalleled. But yeah, there, there is this feeling of missed opportunity there. Too bad, I, I like her. I mean, you know what would have been fine? What would have, uh, what would have been nice? It, it's for Roy Thomas to write up her whole life story. Not to publish it, but just to know where she would end up. 
if she had produced for Sonia the same kind of outline that exists for Conan, he could have told stories uh, set at different moments in her life, showing how she evolves. Because in Savage Sword, uh, you don't need to follow, uh, like, yeah, you need to follow continuity, but the, the stories are not told sequen sequentially. You can have stories set 40 years in the future, uh, one issue, and 20 years in the past, uh, the next. So he could have shown us an older Sonia growing up, the way he did for other supporting characters. The, there's this character called Zula in Conan, which he met when he was in his mid-20s. And at the time, Zula was just a... A rather young warrior who had some knowledge of mysticism and uh, in a story in Savage Sword set uh, I'd say from 10 to 15 years later uh, Zula has become a powerful sorcerer and this kind of development that was granted Zula was never given to Sonia who stayed the same for 65 years she's still the hell lion with sexy clothes who drives Conan crazy and that's pretty much it that's too bad it's too bad. So that brings us to the end of our conversation about Red Sonia. I want to once again thank Roquefort Raider for joining me. I hope you will also join me for the next episode of the Classic Comics Forum podcast. And as always... Visit us online at classiccomics.org to join in the conversation. <laughs>